Navigating Global Health and Mental Wellness with Dorsey Standish, Mindful Strategies for Workplace Being. Join us in this enlightening conversation with Dorsey Standish, a renowned mindfulness and wellness expert. Amidst the ongoing global health crisis and the burgeoning mental health pandemic, Dorsey shares her insights on the crucial role of workplace wellness in creating healthier organizations and a happier world. In this interview, Dorsey unravels simple yet effective mindfulness techniques and stress management and provides practical tools to overcome burnout. Her insights can help us navigate these challenging times and emerge stronger. Tune in to learn how to cultivate a mindful approach to your well-being and contribute to a healthier world. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. We're excited to announce our new partner, Evergreen Podcast, a globally recognized podcast network known for its original and creative content. Their diverse team ensures captivating productions that offer a variety of perspectives. They specialize in branded podcasts and targeted audience delivery, focusing on high-end quality production. But Evergreen is more than a production company. They're an innovative hub providing immersed narratives. With Evergreen, you don't just listen to podcasts, you experience them. Now, I'm excited to welcome and introduce our guest today. Dorsey is a mechanical engineer, a neuroscientist, and wellness expert who brings evidence-based mindfulness and emotional intelligence to clients worldwide. She aims to help type A people like herself slow down, de-stress, and optimize their performance through research-backed brain health training. 
Dorsey holds a master's in cognitive neuroscience from the University of Texas at Dallas and a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Pennsylvania. Dorsey's teachings draw on her training as a teacher of mindfulness-based stress reduction through Brown University and deep experience on regular seven-day silent meditation retreats. While Dorsey has studied with meditation masters, she believes her best mindfulness teachers are her beautiful wife and two young sons. I'm excited to introduce and bring to us today, Miss Dorsey Standish. Welcome. Hi, April. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm delighted to be here and have this conversation that's so important, um, navigating global health and mental wellness and share a little bit more about my perspectives. Can I go ahead and introduce myself again for the audience I, here? I would love that. Please share yourself with us. Yes. Yeah. So my name is Dorsey Standish. I am the CEO of Mastermind. We are a neuroscience-based wellness firm based here in Dallas. You might be able to see the skyline behind me. And we help organizations build happier, healthier workplaces and more resilient employees through these neuroscience-based wellness programs. So what we find is that typically, um, looking at recent research and survey data, almost 95% of Americans are stressed out about their work right? Which doesn't leave a lot of room for them to enjoy being a whole person, enjoying health and performance, let alone, you know, showing up as their full selves at work. So what we do differently at Mastermind is we don't just provide mental health resources for employees in crisis. We partner with organizations to really create a brain healthy culture in their organization. We train people in mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and other brain health strategies that are backed by neuroscience, backed by research. I'm so passionate about this because I was once a corporate world worker myself, and it was there that I had my own experience of stress and burnout that drove me very reluctantly <laughs> to these practices mm. of meditation, of slowing down. And so I'm so passionate about being able to share those with my clients today and excited to talk more about some simple, effective strategies, as you mentioned, for bringing more mindfulness and presence into the workplace. Ah, well, yes, we all need that. And what a, a pivotal time in history that we could really benefit from this, right? And I think that the the word and people such as yourself who are really educating everyone on how to do that, because I think that's just what we don't understand is it takes time and knowledge to have an understanding of how to be able to integrate that within our work in order to create more of a balance and, uh, you know, so we can show up and do our work in the best way possible. So I am very curious, how was it? I know that it, you had your own experience, which sparked some, some passion within you that was like, this is a, this is a need that needs to be addressed. And so I'm going to make a change. Dorsey, what were some of the things that you experienced that really were like, I, I gotta, I gotta do something here. This is not okay. 
Yeah, I appreciate that question, April. And I have to bring it back to the title of your show, right? The Wellness Driven Life. And I would say prior to my experience of burnout and stress in the corporate world, my life was the opposite. It was probably the work-driven life, right? Everything revolved around being available 24-7 to my colleagues, my clients, climbing the corporate ladder. And what I lost in the process was myself, my own mental health and wellness, and letting that well-being really be a focus. So I, uh, this was spring of 2015, and I was launching a global product for uh, the company I work for, Texas Instruments, and I was getting to travel to Asia, across the U.S. to launch the product. And from the outside looking in, uh, my life looked great, uh, but from the inside looking out, I was struggling with mental health. I wasn't sleeping well, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was getting closer and closer to a mental breakdown. And what happened to me at the beginning of April in 2015 is that I actually didn't get to finish the product launch that I was working on. My doctor said, hey, you need to slow down. You need to take some time off of work to recover mentally and physically. I can see that you're not showing up very well. Mm. And that started a two and a half month process for me of reclaiming my health and wellness without work in the picture, which was really hard um, and honestly scary at the time because, again, it had been the work-driven life, right? But it was yeah. during that time that I really pivoted and started to explore what would it look like to have a wellness-driven life and make that the priority. Well, of course, I love that you say a wellness-driven life. And, you know, you know, instead of the work-driven life, because we do experience burnout, and I would say that that you did probably experience it if you weren't sleeping. And isn't it fascinating when we finally have this understanding of how important sleep is and how it affects so much of how we function and we show up in life. And um, I also, so I, like there's things I want to tear apart out of this. And so definitely the sleep aspect and the slowing down, I think it was just beautiful and brilliant for them to say to you, you need a break, you need to slow down. Because I have found throughout my own journey that that is so key to really be able to slow down and, and just go within. And it's, it's so much easier said than done. It truly is something that we have to train our minds and our bodies to do. What was your initial experience with that, Dorsey? What was it like for you when you had to actually start slowing down? Because I know that you weren't operating at that. I was not, April. And I am, um, you know, it's funny when I was taking the time off of work and it was like a vacuum, right? My whole life had been sort of taken away. And I did decide, okay, if I'm going to be taking this time off and being taking the advice of doctors and experts, I also want to learn how to turn inwards and find my own strength and resilience to get through whatever stressors life throws at me. And so I started, I'm a scientist, so I started researching stress resilience and I kept coming across meditation. It was like, oh, please let there be something else. Don't make me sit still with myself. Yeah. Don't make me do nothing. But after enough sources saying that in some really great initial books on mindfulness, I used the Calm app way back in 2015. Um, Tamara Levitt became my daily guide as I committed to just two minutes a day of mindfulness practice. So yeah. it was really hard to slow down, but I made an agreement with myself that I would try two minutes a day for one month and just see what happened. 
You know what I really love that that you offer with that and you say about that is I committed to myself two minutes a day. And that is so, so powerful, Dorsey, because I think that a lot of people come at this and they're like, I have to be like this seasoned, skilled meditator and sit there for 45 minutes when, again, we're not conditioned to do so until we slowly teach ourselves. And it's those baby steps of, you know, teaching our body and our minds to like what it is at all. And so I agree with you. I had the first initial um, feeling or fret, so to speak, when we start talking about meditation, because on my health journey, learning, you know, you hear about all the benefits. And that's really the thing, right? You got to meditate. And it's like, isn't there something else? Can't I get out of this? Because I don't want to sit with myself. I don't want to have to stay calm because when you're so used to being active and your mind is active all the time, that's a very challenging thing to do. So I love that you just started and committed to two minutes a day. I think anybody can certainly do that. Yeah, I appreciate that, April. And that's exactly my call to action when I speak to audiences, even one minute a day, even 30 seconds, right? We all have the same amount of time. Um, and what would it be like to put yourself first, your brain health first, you know, your wellness first, right? And let that, right. when I did it in the morning every day, even when I went back to work, I pretty quickly realized I was more focused. I was less reactive to stress. Like when emails came in or texts, I was able to pause and respond a little bit more mm. calmly. And I also had this intangible benefit of giving something to myself before giving everything to the world around oh, me. And that's beautiful. that was just two minutes, right? And so it's yeah. like, as my practice has grown over the years, obviously I can see more and more benefit as I commit longer amounts of time, but it really is a process of getting to know myself better. And I've been able to set aside my type A tendencies for the most part to be perfect or be a good meditator and look at it as an opportunity to witness and befriend what's here, even if it's anger or distraction or a busy mind. It's like, okay, this is here right now and give myself that gift of just showing up and being present rather than having to be perfect or perform in any way. I think that's a really key thing that you said that it's giving yourself something right initially starting the day, even if it's just the two minutes, you have that sense of, of gifting yourself, like you said, before you set off to serve everyone else, because that, I think a lot of us have that service mentality, and, and we get really caught up in it, to where we we bypass ourselves in such a drastic way, that eventually it catches up. And I wanted to bring in one of the um, comments here, because I think it's a, a great one. Manly said, what was the response from those around you when you started to take time off? I think that's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you so much, Manly. I, um, it's funny. I was so, once I made the decision to take a break and recover, I was basically out of work. Um, you know, I was working with HR and my bosses to notify them that I would be taking time off. So I didn't have that much chance to really interact with my colleagues when I made the initial decision. But what I'll tell you is that when I came back, you know, two and a half, three months later, it was crazy how people responded. I expected they'd wonder, you know, where have you been all this time? How are you? 
And when I came back to work, it was basically the same old story. Someone had just stepped in to launch the product that I thought I was the only one who could do it. And everyone thought I had been gone for two or three weeks, not two or three months. What I realized is that we're all on this treadmill and we kind of wake up and, and go on autopilot to show up for our families or show up for our work. And a lot of us do the same thing day after day and we lose perspective. And once I had that time off and this new practice of mindfulness to pause and 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 be aware and present and make intentional choices, it was really hard for me to go back to that corporate lifestyle. I tried for another year with um, different initiatives I got involved in, different ways. I actually brought yoga and mindfulness to Texas Instruments where I was working, but eventually I had to break off and do my own thing and really invest full time in sharing this brief but powerful practice of mindful moments with other type A corporate people like myself. So what you're saying is you uh, entered into the matrix (laughs) and then you found out that there's this totally different world and reality. I think it's, it's very interesting because what you're describing about how your coworkers reacted and how there there's almost like this time gap or or this difference in reality of what people perceive and what you experienced are totally different right and so it's it's easy to start thinking a little differently after an experience like that of we are all in this rat race and how do you how do you kind of exit out of that in order to get a bigger picture. And I think that a lot of that does come through meditation. Would you agree? Yeah, April, I think some type of mental training and meditation, even little mindful pauses throughout the day for some of my clients, they love to journal to kind of get perspective, but anything where we can get out of sort of that autopilot mode in our heads, acting habitually, doing the next thing that's in front of us and pausing and you know, even the practice of gratitude or compassion, which I like to bring in, in my different practices of appreciating each other as human beings, or taking a moment to appreciate, you know, your first sip of coffee in the morning, all these little moments that sometimes Mm -hmm. get lost when we're rushing on to the next thing. My mindfulness practice to me has been that gateway into this other world that's right here within this one, as you're saying, right? It's just a different way of interacting, of showing up for these moments that, that each of us has. Okay, so I have to to question and run into the world of entrepreneurship just a little bit because you you chose to step outside of the corporate world, which I think that in in this particular day and age, many people are are experiencing that based on well, the world was just shaken up a little bit. Everybody's been kind of shaken up, so th- people are starting to think about what are some other options than what I've been experiencing. But not only that, but it's it's the corporate world who has made some major shifts on how they lead, how they run, how they operate in business and all of it. So what was that like for you when you started to take the, the entrance out, so to speak? Yeah, it was um it was pretty terrifying to be honest. I mean, I was pretty sort of um just hard-headed about it. I knew that's what I wanted to do and so I just pushed forward, but as I look back, I often describe it to people as jumping off the cliff 
thinking I would assemble the plane on the way down. And, you know, I didn't have anything in place. I didn't have any sort of income outside of my corporate job. Um, I wasn't even teaching at a local yoga studio or anything. And I remember my parents, you know, I'm telling them, they're like, you're going from mechanical engineering to yoga and mindfulness. You have got to be kidding me. Like, you know, here they are watching their daughter succeed in sort of the traditional sense of the word. And now it's like, what is she doing? Where is she going? Um, and it, it did, t- it was not an instantaneous thing. It took me several years to realize that where my, um, my gifts and my passions were, were really for this mindfulness, this brain training that we're talking about. And that one of the things that I did differently was leverage my background in engineering as a science nerd and be able to speak to these wellness practices from that science-based lens. So when I work now as the CEO of Mastermind, I get to bring in that I went back to school to get a master's degree in neuroscience. I get to bring in my training in mindfulness-based stress reduction. And we take our corporate-friendly brand, and I have a great team now of other facilitators with different gifts and different life perspectives to bring in with different clients. I really have found um, that sweet spot of brain training, mindfulness, emotional intelligence that speaks to my background um, and my passions and also meets my corporate clients where they are. So it's, you know, looking back now, I can connect the dots and I can tell you this beautiful story about how I did assemble the plane just in time. <laughs> and, <laughs> but in the, the moment, engineer coming not out, always that clear. Yes. It was not yeah. always that clear. And ironically, 2020 was a big turning point for us in a positive way. I still remember in March of that year, getting calls from different clients saying, we're going to have to cancel. We're going to have to cancel all these in-person events. And it felt like the beginning of the end for our small business. But what happened was so cool is people came out of the woodwork. I got hired for people were having college reunions on Zoom and they wanted mindfulness. I mean, all sorts of random things like friends and family and my network came out of the woodwork to support our business. And then companies started calling because everybody's mental health was so challenged in 2020 Mm. that it finally elevated the mental wellness conversation to the forefront, which has been needed for a long time. And we at Master mind we're able to step in and come from the science-backed perspective and appeal to a diverse range of people everywhere from you know lawyers to construction firms i mean we have the gift of touching people from so many mm. different walks of life and i'm really grateful that the one thing that brings us together is we all have a brain right we want to know how to use it and we want to know how to operate it to the best of our abilities and that's what these practices allow us to do i tell you what it was a hundred percent the sciences that really brought me into wanting to explore more, learn more, investigate, and try out meditation and other techniques. Because when you have that that science back, that's just affirming something is working. It gives you something tangible that people can see and understand and believe. And we need that as human beings. It's like this, okay, somebody, we have come up with a general consensus that this is truth. And, and so it is so powerful then, and it just gives it so much more clout. So I appreciate that you have really gone in that direction. And so I'm going to move into our first commercial. And when we get back, I would love to talk a little bit more about the services that you now offer and 
that total global perspective that you have going on. So I'm excited to share that. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Jim Morris, founder of Impact Events. This is a six-month program that we're kicking off with a massive one-day conference. Have you ever been to a one-day, two-day, three-day conference and then left with a ton of momentum and excitement and then found yourself deflated almost two weeks later? Spent a lot of money on that conference and you just wish you had an opportunity to potentially ask a speaker that follow-up question that would allow you to break those barriers in your business. I've been there a million times, spent a lot of money, and that's how this event is different. We're going to bring you back so you can ask additional questions to break down those barriers that you face in your business. So if you're ready to take action, invest in yourself, and change the trajectory of your life and your business, click the button below and grab your ticket before they run out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. So we talk about mindfulness not being a luxury. It's a necessity. And so I'm curious, Dorsey, how do how did you come to that idea and that understanding and what do you propose to make it that necessity? How do we meet it because it's a necessity? Yeah, that's a great question, April. And um, you can tell right through my story of burnout. And like I talked about the work driven life, not the wellness, not the mindfulness driven life that I knew anecdotally uh, how damaging that could be to be, as, as I like to call a human doing, not a human being, right? And to be constantly yeah. in that autopilot mode. And so as I look at that anecdotal data, I got to meet other practitioners who felt the same way. And then what we do, what we love to do at Mastermind is compare that with the body of research, right? And say, okay, this is not just a few great stories. This is a greater pattern here that we see that living on autopilot, that being, uh, you know, succumbing to stress reactivity and a lot of those maladaptive coping uh, mechanisms that we have that can really damage our health and well-being over the long term. So at Mastermind, we like to do what I call with our offerings. We like to bring in the head, the heart, and the body into our teachings because just as I heard you say you resonate with the science, I, I spoke to mm -hmm. you know engineers at a tech company and they want to know, tell me the data. No, how did they measure those brain changes, right? And then I yeah. speak to other groups 
and they want to hear a story. They want to emotionally resonate with my journey of burnout and say, oh yeah, I've had times where I haven't slept well, or, oh man, I might need to take some time. I might need to start this practice. And then the thing that we also always include is an actual experiential practice of mindfulness, because as you know, we can have so many misconceptions about what it actually is. And when I guide people through a moment to breathe or to feel their feet on the floor or to look out the window and notice the color of the sky, these are all little mindfulness practices that they can start to have that experience in their body and hopefully reaching them through one or more of these touch points to start to give them their own, the start of their own transformational experience and hopefully start their own story, just like mine of finding greater presence in daily life and in daily work as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm very curious, like what, what is your vision or how do you address? So if you go into the, the corporate arena or into an office where, where there's a team and how do you um, have them incorporate some of these habits? Do you, do you put reminders up? Do they get some sort of app maybe that there's some reminders? Like how do you, how do you remind and incorporate these things? That's a great question. April. And, you know, as you look, as we talked about these stress statistics, you know, seeing 94% of people are stressed out at work. And then we see even that something like almost two thirds of us are thinking about quitting our jobs to avoid workplace stress. So stress and lack of mindfulness, it gets not just, you know, uncomfortable for people and organizations, but it gets expensive too, right? If you think about stress-related absenteeism, healthcare costs, impacts on productivity, And luckily, we work with a lot of great clients that, yes, of course, they're interested in maximizing the financial impact and ROI of our programs, but they also really want to honor and support their employees, right, and showing up at their fullest potential. So when we start working with a company um, in an ideal case, what we love to do is start off with what we call a brain-healthy workplace assessment. So we administer a survey. Sometimes we even do a few one-on-one interviews, maybe some site visits, and we're able to give the corporation some feedback on, okay, this is where your employee wellness is. This is how effective your current benefits are. This is the perception of work-life balance or lack thereof at your organization. And then we give them some concrete recommendations for how to move forward, either with our services or with other interventions that we would recommend. What we find a lot of times is that the companies we work with, they have, as I mentioned at the beginning, they have really good crisis resources in place. So if somebody is going through something acute, like I did when I was in the corporate world, they can get support, they can take time off, they can connect with a mental health counselor. But what we don't see a lot of before we start working with companies is proactive wellness support. So imagine, April, if back in 2015, as I'm launching this product and I'm super stressed out, imagine if I had had a monthly mindfulness class or a stress management speaker come in, someone who had led me through some real practices Mm -hmm. and helped me prioritize wellness. Maybe my life story would have ended up differently. And that's what we want to do at Mastermind. And that's what we partner with companies to do is say, yes, these crisis resources are great. 
and let's add some proactive support and let's really put the responsibility back in the employee's court, right? Because a lot of mm. a lot of people look to companies to support their wellness. We need employees who are driven and present and willing to participate in the programs and take responsibility for their wellness. And we need companies that are willing to support that effort and go part of the way and give them these resources to take advantage of. So we typically, after the initial assessment and recommendations, we typically partner with them to provide, as you mentioned, a combination of on-demand resources. We do have an app, as you mentioned, that can ping them, give them reminders to be more present, to prioritize their brain health. And then what we really love is those live um, either virtual or in-person touch points where you literally have someone holding physical or mm. virtual space for you you know, guiding you through. I think the ad that you just ran talked about being able to ask questions, right? We value that so much. Connection is one of our core values. And so we don't just want to send emails to people or give them an app. We want to be their friends, their supporters, have one of our facilitators that intimately knows their company culture and can make sure that we're curating the content and the support of employees in a way that's really going to move the needle on their wellness. Mm, that's awesome. Yes. Connection and community is a hundred percent. One of those, those big, big things that we have to have. It's essential for us to have, um, for overall wellness as a human being. And so I love that you're doing that. The proactive aspect, you can teach a man to fish, right? And, and you have to, that like we talked about and touched on earlier is you have to have the understanding, um, to even be educated on these things because we don't, we don't just innately know how to do it. We're not conditioned over all of the years. We don't be, we're not taught in school, right? This is something that has to be learned and taught. And so I think that it's great that you incorporate that. And so um, I'm curious, you know, I talk to a lot of people and I, I, there's so many different ideas out there, Dorsey. And, and I know that you know that because you're in this, um, the field of, of working with corporate clients and, and keeping people really pleased and happy with their, their career fields of choice, because that's how we continue running the world, right? We have to have these enjoyable positions and, and want to be engaged and want to create incredible things and be innovative as a species to continue evolving. So I'm just curious, like how much does environment take a play in that? Is, is that something that you guys kind of roll into the factors as well? That's a great question, April. Probably through your conversations and through your own work, you know, right, that the environments that we're in make such a huge difference. I was talking to one of my law firm clients a few weeks ago, and they were so excited because they had just moved from an office where nobody had a window. And so this woman was like, look at my window. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I can see the sunlight, right? And it makes such a big difference. And yeah. I think one of our challenges and opportunities at Mastermind is to help quantify the impact of some of those changes and be able to say, okay, this is where you are and this is where you could go with your brain health in your workplace. Um, so yes, environment matters. Little things like having plants, as you can see, I have plants behind me, plants, having a window, having good lighting, 
social connection, right? That's one of the pillars of brain health that you've mentioned is, do I have a person that I can see and talk to, or even someone I can connect to virtually, right? And then there are other considerations like getting movement in during the workday is such a big one. So is your Mm. office near a place where you can walk around, right? What about nutrition? Is it near restaurants? Do you partner with a delivery service to maybe bring in healthy meals or can you think about what sort of food you have available in the break room? And is that something that supports or maybe confuses employee wellness? And what we find when we advise companies is oftentimes there's not a huge gap between where they are and maybe the optimal state. There are a lot of low cost little things that we can do differently. Like in one company, we just, we simply moved the chocolate and other snacks into a cupboard instead of having it out on the counter, right? So not a huge change, very easy. But how can we use the principles of neuroscience and human behavior to say, okay, this is really low hanging fruit. We can really move the needle on people's health, make sure they don't have to exhaust all of their willpower early in the day, avoiding the dove chocolates, right? I mean, just like little things like that make me so happy because it's a win-win for everybody involved. I just decided that we needed OSHA for health and wellness. (laughs) We need some regulatory system here in place because I, I love what you're talking about how um, you really boots on the ground and you're like, we're going to place this chocolate out of sight. So you're not thinking about it, you know, as you continue on to your day, it's, it's very much like this parental role, so to speak on, and exactly how we, how we respond just being human on, you know, based on what we see our environment, all of those little tiny triggers that, you know, aid us in making either good decisions or bad decisions. And so um, I really like that you do that, that you really incorporate things like that. And you start having people think a little bit differently and in just that. And that's kind of what I'm talking about with educating ourselves. Like if we just made these tiny little tweaks with our environment, you know, um, a good example of that is, is someone who smokes, for instance, you have this habit that you have every single day. And what do you do with that? You continue to go to the, to the same places, to the same chair outside every single day. You surround yourself with the same people. But what if you disturb that and you move things around and you take away the chair and you, you know, decide to go on the other side of the building for your break, but you're just disrupting those patterns. Yeah, I I love that example, April, and it resonates with a lot of people because it's so relatable to realize we've slipped into a habit, whether it's smoking or something else. It's like, is this really optimal, right? Whether it's yelling at my kid or checking my email first thing in the morning, asking myself, like, what am I getting from this and how might I shift it? And that's why in our programs um, with companies and with individuals, we always bring in a little bit of neuroscience around the habit loop, just like you talked about and understanding, okay, what's the trigger, what's the craving, what's the behavior, what's the reward. And you'd be surprised. I'm I'm sure you've seen some of the research around, for example, Judson Brewer's mindful smoking experiment where he had people just pay attention to smoking and they're like, oh, this is like stinky cheese. Like, I don't like this anymore, right? And so sometimes- I love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> but what if we did that? Like, what if we got curious about some of our habits instead of judging ourselves or demonizing them? And that's what, mm. you know, even as we go in with organizations and we do these initial assessments, it's not a place of like, oh, you know, you did this wrong or did this wrong. It's let's get curious and like li lift up the hood and see what's here. And it's from that place of awareness that we can make skillful changes. That's what's changed my life, right? Is just starting with a couple minutes a day of what's really here. And from that place of awareness and acceptance of what's here, it's like a place to stand on that I can then take intentional steps forward. Hmm. That is so, so, so powerful, Dorsey. The being curious as opposed to judgmental, right? It's so easy to slip into that judgment towards ourselves and others and 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 being so hard on us, you know, and, and, and then it's very difficult to make change or accept change because you kind of get stuck in that rigidness of judgment. And so I think that that was just very, very powerful what you said on, on being curious and looking at things in a different perspective and a different viewpoint and, and just kind of observing it and going a little deeper and, okay, what is this? And so I think that is, um, very, very funny and very wise. The the mindful smoking, is that what you called it? That's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Because the, the, you're just, you're concentrating on the thing itself, like more from an objective perspective and, and, and just seeing it for what it is. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Well, I have uh, one of your photos. I want to bring it in to play here because it's, it's a beautiful photo of you and your family. And I would love for you to share a little bit more about them. Yeah. Thank you, April. So these are my best teachers. I think you even read that in the bio. This is my wife, Mary and my sons, Owen and Beck. They are the loves of my life. I absolutely just adore the time we get to spend together. This picture was taken this summer. We spent some time in Colorado and time in Wyoming. And we do live in Dallas, Texas most of the year, but we get out into nature as much as possible. And my wife and I actually just had Beck, the youngest one, in January. So I'm eight months mm -hmm. postpartum and mindfulness and self-care looks completely different in my life than it did uh, before. Um, yeah. But in the best way, because it's so relatable, right? I just, every experience that I have, no matter how challenging, helps me grow my compassion and ultimately show up as a better teacher and space holder for others. And our older son, Owen, is absolutely loving being a big brother. We caught him playing with Bex toys this weekend, just having so much fun with this marble tower um, they love. So it's been such a gift to be a mom um, and have a committed life partner, something that I really believe that my practice of mindfulness and self-awareness and commitment to intentional growth has allowed me to have a relationship with my wife that we're really healing each other and supporting each other in a beautiful way through our interactions. And then of course, with my boys, I, I can't think of a harder job than parenting or a more rewarding one. I just love being a mom. And like I said, I get to show up. Um, I get to show up as best I can and use all these practices of mindfulness, emotional intelligence, compassion, 
right? And really supporting them and supporting myself in each moment as best I can. And believe me, it's not perfect. I'm sure they could all tell you some funny stories about me, right? Um, But I'm just a, a human being. I'm a student of life, just like everybody I teach, just like all of us, we're all on a journey. And it's these moments with family, this time in nature that I just that's just as much why I practice mindfulness as my work, right? I want to show up and savor every last moment of this life that I've been given. And good for you for figuring that out while you're still a young parent, because (laughs) I think I I was a very young parent when I first started. And as uh, anyway, it, it took me a long while to figure that out. And parenthood is one of the most challenging things that you could do, right? And and it is the thing that teaches you the absolute most in life. I would, I would hands down say that for sure. It was definitely, I I mean, I've, I've had a lot of challenging uh, positions in the world. I've, I come from a law enforcement background. I've been a, a swing driver career for FedEx Express. That was one of the most difficult jobs I've ever done, but parenting tops it all. It always will. And, and it is such a beautiful thing because, you know, when you have that first child, you really truly learn what to die for means. Wow. That's so true, April. I can't tell you, um, we were traveling and I think Beck was probably three months old and we were going on our first family trip. And you know how they say at the beginning of every airplane ride, make sure you put on your oxygen mask before helping others. And for some reason, holding this newborn on my chest, it was just me and my sister. We were traveling and that hit me differently. And I couldn't imagine myself, as you're saying, actually putting on my own mask. I mean, that went against everything, right? That that my body and brain was like, you must protect this little human that you gave birth to. Um, mm-hmm. And when I heard that line, and I sort of made an inner commitment, like, yes, okay, it makes it literally makes rational sense for me to put my mask on first. It just helped me reconnect to what we often say about self-care, right? We use that analogy of putting the, the oxygen mask on ourselves first, but it it hit me really differently in that moment. And I think that's been one of the, I, I love challenges. So I'll say like the funnest things to navigate as a new parent, it's like in this new world, how does mindfulness and wellness fit? And how is it still a foundation without me sacrificing mm-hmm. time with my family, support of my wife? What does it look like for us to co-create a life that that really serves all of us and trusting that when I take time for myself, that it really does benefit my family. And I'll, I'll share one quick example. Um, we were about two months postpartum and remember my wife and I were sitting at the kitchen table looking at each other and just like, our eyes are half open. Like we had barely been sleeping, <laughs> caring for a newborn. And, and I'm looking at my wife and she's like, I don't like, I'm not feeling very good. And and she's always been kind of the rock of our family. Mary is amazing. And she's, I'm like, yeah, you're not really doing very well with this lack of sleep. And she's like, are you like, how are you? I'm like, we're not doing well. We've been, we realized we've been yelling at our older son more. We're not there to support him. And in that moment, we made the decision to invest in a night nurse a few days a week and having them come and stay. Mm -hmm. And it was such a controversial decision. I'm sure, you know, as a mom of right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm outsourcing this part of raising my baby. And there's the fear of judgment of other people of, Oh, Mm -hmm. you're going to pay money to do this. But I can't tell you looking back, like 
thank goodness we did that. We showed up for our older son so much better. I started prioritizing. We, we started in the beginning talking about how important sleep is. It is the foundation of mental and physical health. If we're not sleeping, our body yeah. can't do anything else well. So getting that help, I was still waking up in the middle of the night to breastfeed. So it wasn't like I went from, you know, random sleep to like nine hours a night. It's been a journey, but oh my gosh, what a gift to have help. And I would say that's been a huge takeaway on my journey. We've talked about this power of social connection, but when I pause and become aware of what I'm going through and I realize I need something, I might need help. And I voice that out loud. I've just been so lucky with the support I've been given, whether it's from family or friends or bringing someone in to support me in an intentional way. I just, if you really think back to that line that people have said so much to me in the past eight months, it takes a village, right? As my friends show up in these ways. I mean, think about how we evolved and how crazy is it that we could think like, oh, I could just be in this little tiny family unit unit and take care of everything myself. So I get to learn these lessons of brain health, like from a completely different lens. And it's, it's such a gift. It's hard in the moment, but it's such a gift to be able to really, um, really commit to wellness. And as you mentioned, this wellness driven life, even postpartum, what does that look like? It's going to look different, but how can I still make wellness and presence and connection a foundation of how I show up? I think that's a really important thing to bring up uh, a couple of the things out of that, but definitely that life is constantly changing. Change is the only constant. And so we're not always going to have the needs um, and and have or, or need the response um, to how to take care of ourselves. It's not always going to be the same way. I worded that in such a crazy manner, but it's always going to be changing. And so what worked then might not work now and vice versa. So I think that's a really important thing to bring up. And I also want to say and add that thank you so much for sharing that experience with us as a parent and the decision that you guys made to bring somebody in to help and asking for help because um, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I think that we get very, very caught up in what the what other people around us, the societal standards and what people think or what we think people think of us and how that really alters our decision-making and not always in the best way for us when we need something. If that is what is going to make all the difference in the world for us to show up as a better human being to our kids, our spouse, and everybody that we work with and our family, it's it, it, then that's the right decision, right? And so I, I think that that was a very powerful thing that you had mentioned. Yeah, of course, April. And I I think I, I want to highlight a point that you made of just being able to notice maybe other people's opinions or what we think other people's opinions are. And then at the end of the day, like if I think about a wellness-driven life, a mindfulness-driven life, that is from the inside out, right? That is getting yeah. in touch with my own inner wisdom and presence and being able to befriend what's here. And for me, I think that's one of the greatest gifts of a mindfulness practice. It's been getting to know myself better, but also learning to trust myself and my instincts better. And I'm going to have to nerd mm. out for a moment because there's actually a part of the brain called the insula that's right above the ears on both sides. Um, and this insula has actually been shown to be more developed in long-term meditators. And the insula is associated with a number of functions, including our mind-body connection, what's called interoception. So the inference from this data would be that 
long-term meditators actually have a stronger mind-body connection, that they're mm-hmm. more connected to what you might call a gut feeling or the wisdom of the body. Mm-hmm. And so as I share, okay, wellness-driven life means connecting from the inside out, that that can actually be something we practice. We learn how to do trusting ourselves, connecting with ourselves on a daily basis, even a few minutes a day, feeling our feet, feeling our hands, feeling our breath. This is this gift of really learning ourselves and learning to to lead and live from the inside out. Oh, that is so beautiful. And yeah, I it, it just brings me back listening to you say all of these things and going within. It, it's really this self-reflection, this self awareness, know thyself, uh, because it is, you know, when we sit and we're quiet, we have the moment to really feel and understand everything that is going on within this incredibly intelligent system that we are, right? And, And I also really enjoy that you bring up how the body changes as you begin to go within. So the longer that you continue a meditation practice, we start to change on a biological level and we are able to start um, tuning in to that greater understanding because we're more than just the physical body, right? We're mind, body, soul. And I think that you know, if if you don't have that understanding by now, then you probably won't be listening to this show anyway. <laughs> but you know, it's it's definitely that those pieces of us that we get to get a little bit closer with that the veal starts to uh, be risen, right? And so that intuition piece, whatever you want to call it, but being able to make better decisions for ourselves and and just imagine like what that does for us as human beings when we feel more confident because you have the decision that's the right decision for you at the moment to be made. Yeah, that's so true, April. And, you know, I often tell my clients when I'm talking about my decision to start a daily mindfulness practice of just a few minutes, I mention how, you know, most of my life I've been conditioned to if I have a problem or something I need, I need, it's like turn outwards. Like, what do I take? What expert do I go see? What do I need to do? And never in my life until I started practicing mindfulness, did I know and learn that I could actually turn inwards when I needed something, that I had this reservoir of mental strength and resilience inside of me, this ability, as you're saying, to to check in and tune in. It's like, oh, wow, there's so much here to dive into and find strength and support in. And that's what, you know, when we work with companies, it's it's so interesting. You know, people will make a joke of like, oh, Dorsey's a guru or something. I'm like, no, please, no. I, you are your own best teacher. And yeah. we might show up to be a guide, to be a fellow, you know, meditator on the journey. But our mission at Mastermind is really to help each person build out that inner toolkit for their own mental wellness and have the agency to be like, 
wow, I'm really stressed out right now. I'm going to pull out this tool of the deep belly breaths and I'm going to use that, right? I'm going to pause and practice that right now. And they become experts on themselves. They become experts on being able to give themselves what they need in any given moment. It's almost like they have that user's guide to their own brain, that toolkit of mental wellness strategies that they can then deploy in the moment and ultimately do what we're saying, have that greater trust and connection with their own wisdom and gifts. Yeah, absolutely. It it starts with you, a hundred percent. It it just always will, and and then it's this beautiful chain reaction, this domino effect. You know, when you think about ourselves as energetic beings, and how once we start knowing that, we start radiating on a different level. It just starts reaching out to those around us, and that is truly how we change the world. So that's such a beautiful thing. Thank you, Dorsey. And speaking of, I would love to know what's next for you. What is your big vision? Because I know that you talk a lot about, you know, the the global health concerns and and mental well being. What does that look like for you? And what are you most passionate about? Uh, what message that you want to get across? Yeah, thank you, April. As I talked about earlier, right, we're in the middle of this stress epidemic, um, mental health epidemic, and so many of us, people I know, people I don't know, are struggling in different ways with stress and mental health issues. And what I hope for my community, for the world at large, is that we use this opportunity of crisis, of inflection point post-pandemic, the stress and mental health issues continue to be there, that we use this time of challenge to rise to the occasion, to grow our awareness, start getting curious about what's here for ourselves, what's here in our communities, what's here in our workplaces, and starting to use these tools of mindfulness, of emotional intelligence, of connection and compassion to really come together to build a stronger brain healthy world. I think that it's so easy to focus on what's wrong. That's actually how our brain is wired, right? To be alert to challenges. And so what I would ask people is to do just what you mentioned is how can the change start with me? What can I do to support myself and trust that that will trickle out to those around me? And also to those of you, especially those of you in workplaces in the corporate world, you might think, oh, I've got to do what Dorsey did and get out, right? (laughs) And maybe that's the right path for you. But what if you used your position in the corporate world to actually uplift the people around you that you're working with? Mm. I mean, what if our workplaces that we spend a third of our lives at work, what if our workplaces became something that actually contributed to our well-being, that was a key part of how we got our social connection, how we got our nutrition and movement in, and how we had what I like to call positive peer pressure, right, to be on this wellness journey together. With so much change and challenge going on in the world, one thing that's always constant is work right? Is what are we doing? And so how can we use the workplace as an opportunity to contribute to brain health rather than be this overwhelming source of stress? Have it be something that actually shifts global health in a positive direction as we start to think about bringing brain health into the workplace? 
Oh, that is so awesome. Thank you so much. I want to make sure that everyone knows how to find you and your information and all the greatness that you are providing for people in the world and to the workplace. So the website is here displayed. You can find more information in the description below, but Dorsey's website is www.mastermindmeditate.com. I love both of those words, mastermind, because that's community-based, that's really bouncing ideas off of each other, filling each other up, rising each other up, lifting as we climb, right? And then, of course, meditate. So again, that's www.mastermindmeditate.com. And Dorsey, it's been truly an honor to have you on the show. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? Just want to thank you, April, and everybody watching for being a fellow uh, journeyer, right, on this journey of brain health and wellness, for taking the time to learn, to grow, and practice. And hopefully during the session, you realize that you can turn inwards. Even taking one deep breath is a mini mindfulness practice. It's a way of connecting to yourself and the full power of this moment. So at Mastermind, we have a mindfulness facilitator certification. We have a neuroscience-based stress management program. We also often partner with organizations to do assessments, to do speaker sessions, to do leadership trainings, all sorts of ways that we can work together. So please check out mastermindmeditate.com. Get connected with us. We're also on all the major social channels as Mastermind Meditate. And we share lots of free brain health and mindfulness resources to help support you and hopefully our broader world on this journey. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Dorsey, for being our guest on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Truly has been an honor to share some ideas with the audience today. So thank you so much. Thanks, April. And for everyone tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you later. Goodbye for now.